Welcome back to Creep Time with Silas Dean. We are back with this eerie unsolved case that I'm pretty sure you guys are gonna love. We are covering the Lady of the Dunes. Now, I heard about this case years ago and I actually did coverage of it on TikTok, which please go follow by the way, help support. <laughs> but the case itself is almost 50 years old at this point and we still don't have a concrete answer that can explain these circumstances. So much about this has never added up, but we will dig into some of the theories at the end, specifically one piece of evidence that really kind of gives way to the idea of who the Lady of the Dunes might have been. Also, huge news to share with you guys. Um, you've been very patient and you've asked for it repeatedly a lot, <laughs> but it is finally here for you. Creep Time, the podcast, is finally here and it has its own YouTube channel. I am going to link that down in the description as well as the comments for you guys to go check it out whenever you want to. I'm excited about doing it. I'm, I've been, it's been a long time coming and I'm getting to do it with one of my best friends, my co-host Stu, and we are covering everything on this podcast. Unsolved cases, we're doing true crime, paranormal, we're gonna do morbid history. So again, would really appreciate it if you could go check that out and give it a listen. Which also leads me to my next ask, which is suggestions. <laughs> if there is a case or there is a story or a paranormal photo that you want me to cover on the podcast and for us to talk about, you can leave it in the comments down below or you can head to the podcast channel and you can leave it on the comments there. We are very open to suggestions. We're looking through everything and we are gonna feature a lot of these suggestions in our episodes. And as always, if you could give a subscribe below for Creep Time, that really, really does help the channel to grow a lot faster. And it's a fantastic and free way that you can help to support the creators that you love in making the content that you watch. And that way I will get to make more videos for you, which I love doing. All right, let's dive into this story. So the lady of the dunes. Something about that title just sounds very sinister to me. It packs a lot of exposition, but also a lot of mystery right into the headline. On July 26th, in the summer of 1974, our story starts at Race Point Beach in Provincetown, Massachusetts. The initial discovery that is kind of the bedrock of this story actually comes from a young girl. She was walking along Race Point Beach with her dog at her side. So the dog actually takes off on its own and it starts running towards something and it's barking and it's going after something that it sees or senses, but we don't know what. So the girl takes off after the dog, and when she gets there, she stumbles upon something. At a distance, it appears to be a woman who's laying face down in the dunes. So as this girl approaches and she gets a bit closer to this woman, she's horrified to find that the woman is actually dead and covered in insects. She runs to go grab her parents' attention, and so begins the mystery of the Lady of the Dunes. The key question of the entire case, who is the lady in the sand? So rangers and police arrive at the scene, and they're the ones who survey the body. She's described as a woman who's roughly 5'6 to 5'6 and a half, and roughly 145 pounds in weight. She has kind of dark blonde to maybe auburn hair that's tied back into a ponytail held with a gold hairband. So as they're looking at the body, because of the level of decomp, it's really difficult to tell how old this woman actually is. She's a fairly fit person, you know, she's kind of described with this athletic build, so they're categorizing her age anywhere from 25 to 40. Which I have said before, do you not feel like that's kind of shockingly non-specific. It's a pretty sizable gap, but I also think it's really telling of just how badly decomposed the body was that they have to give that wide of a window to categorize the age. They just, they couldn't identify this person just from looking at her. 
So to paint this picture further, she's laying face down with her hands dug into the sand, kind of like you would if you were sunbathing. She is completely undressed, and half of her body is kind of laid out on this beach blanket, and she has a folded up pair of blue jeans and a bandana that are resting under her head. Kind of like a, like a makeshift pillow, like you would if you were suntanning on the beach. We all do that at the beach. At least that's what it looked like, or that's how she was posed. So the next question is, how long had she been there? Well. We really don't know. Uh, it's estimated that she was definitely dead anywhere from 10 days all the way to three weeks, and it's possible she could have been there the entirety of those three weeks. She could have been there in that position for days on end, and I don't think a lot of people, if there was foot traffic who was passing her, would have even caught for the first few weeks that that may have been an unsightly scene. You know, they may have just thought she was a sunbather at a distance. No one ever reported seeing anything, and it's odd to me because if we could assume that, let's say she was there and she was dead for three weeks, and we assume that she was in that position, in that location, and people had passed it, nobody would have reported that? So the investigators are inspecting the body a little further, and at first glance, it's very clear that she has severe trauma to the left side of her head. It's actually so bad that the skull was visibly caved in. Just some kind of massive blow with a weapon that we don't know of because there was nothing found at the scene. There was also some severe trauma to the neck, which we would later find out was an attempt to remove the head with some kind of military entrenching tool. Like an extremely sharp shovel, although they didn't finish the job. They had never actually removed the head. They had just left it almost barely attached to the body. So as the police are circling the body and they take an even closer look, they look to the hands again that are buried into the sand and they pull them out. And what they realize is that the hands are gone. Both hands, even one up to the forearm, had been removed and were missing from the scene. So they're now starting to think that they're eyeing somebody who was keen to cover their tracks. I mean, we would assume that anybody who takes hands or takes fingers is trying to avoid having a body identified through fingerprints. Now this is where some of the additional evidence gets really strange. There was no sign of any struggle at the crime scene. And from the position of the blow to the head, they actually believe that whoever struck her in the head was somebody who was laying there next to her on the beach blanket most likely somebody that she knew very well. And they assume that from the lack of struggle found at the scene, she was most likely asleep when she was struck. I mean, really, the only evidence that we have that there was anybody at that crime scene was this set of size 10 footprints that were leading to and from the body and were deeply, deeply ground into the sand, probably indicating that it was a very heavy person and just feet away from those footprints were tire marks that matched up to the trail. So whoever was with her, they seemingly drove out there together to suntan at the dunes. This was a shocking scene for the community. Immediately, this is a massive investigation, and they have got canines on the scene that are looking for blood evidence, they've got you know, people in town that they're interviewing, and they're looking through permit logs. Early enough, there's almost no lead. There's nobody in Provincetown who actually even goes missing that summer, at least nobody who would fit the description of the Lady of the Dunes. And as it seemed, nobody in this area seemed to know her or where she came from. The investigators know that the fingerprints would not be an option here, so they then turn to her dental work to see if they can try to match up a record that way. What they find in her mouth 
is even more puzzling. A number of her teeth had actually been pulled, presumably for the same reason that the hands had been cut off so they could avoid any kind of identification. And then they realized that the teeth that were left were crowns. Some really, really expensive crowns. The style of this dental work was actually considered very high tier. It was referred to as New York style dental work. And the estimated cost of this dental work that was found in the mouth of the Lady of the Dunes was anywhere from 5,000 all the way up to $10,000. Based on the value of that in the 70s, that is the equivalent of almost $50,000 worth of dental work. Now you see, this is unsettling to me because now this changes the narrative. She's not just a drifter and she's not just some random woman off the street. She either came from the means herself, from a job, from a spouse, from a family situation, to be able to afford that much dentistry. So how did she end up here and why is nobody claiming her? The investigators then distribute these dental records all over Massachusetts and they're published in two separate dental journals that have national distribution. And this is all in the hopes that, you know, somebody would see this and recognize it, recognize the work, say, I know this style of work, I know the area, or this is my former patient. Somebody would see something. No one comes forward. Not a single person. So they're lost here. I mean, who is this woman? How did she get there? And who did this to her? They end up refocusing some of their efforts back to the original crime scene, and they take another look at those tire marks. The beach required permits if you wanted to go at race points with a vehicle. So they go back to the permit logs, and they're going to search through everything for this specific time period just before and right around the time that the Lady of the Dunes was found. They scour through every single vehicle that had a permit to be on that beach within that time frame, and they look through everybody. No one is a match. Every single person they interviewed and checked was completely cleared, and no one even had a vehicle that had tires that matched up to these tire marks. So how did they even get a car to Race Point Beach without a permit? So much of this is just feeling kind of hopelessly mysterious, and it's almost like the deeper you dig into it, it's, it's more and more nonsensical. We don't know how this woman got there. So then we start to get into some of the theories that the investigators are going to go through. By 1979, they actually take the skull from the remains and they form a clay bust around it to try to recreate some of those features and distribute pictures of it in hopes to identify her. The photos of the bust are distributed around the country and a striking resemblance to a woman is called out. This would actually lead to a pretty compelling theory. They centralize around Rory Jean Kissinger. Rory was a woman who had previously been convicted of attempted robberies, she had attempted to harm an officer, so she was already convicted at this point, and she was imprisoned in the early 70s. She would have been around 25 years old at the time this took place, which does kind of match up to the rough estimate of the Lady of the Dunes. In 1973, before the Lady of the Dunes was discovered, Rory had actually escaped from prison and was never found. So the theory is that because Rory ran with a rough crowd, and remember, you know, she was an escaped inmate at this time, and she had escaped from the Cape area, which was pretty close to where the Lady of the Dunes was found, people believed that she was on the run, she was probably hanging around shady characters, and she was doing so discreetly. Possibly ends up in the company of somebody dangerous. 
For years, people believed that the mystery of who the Lady of the Dunes was was potentially solved, and people believed it was Rory. The theory actually carries all the way through the 90s, it's so compelling, until they eventually track down Rory Kissinger's biological mother, and they're able to get a DNA sample so they can finally compare this side by side to the DNA of the Lady of the Dunes. They do run this test in the 90s, and I believe it was inconclusive at the time, so they couldn't decide either way, um, but they do end up exhuming the body again in the early 2000s, specifically to retest this DNA, to which they conclusively find that it was not a match. Rory Jean Kissinger was not the Lady of the Dunes, and they have no idea where she went, she just escaped from prison and was never found. So we then turn our attention years later to a woman named Sandra Lee. Now, this wasn't a theory as to who the Lady of the Dunes was, but more of a theory as to who actually did this to her. 40 some odd years after the discovery, this woman Sandra comes forward, and she claims that she knows who killed the Lady of the Dunes. Not only that, but she actually claims the morning of, she was the first person to actually discover the body and never told anybody. So this woman would have been a little girl at the time, and she remembers distinctly that she had vacationed at Race Point Beach with her parents, and her parents were good friends with a man named Whitey Bolger. Bolger was this infamous mob leader at the time, and he did have quite a few convictions that were eerily similar to the way that the Lady of the Dunes was found. At least one girlfriend and conviction that we know of that had extremely similar injuries. Teeth removed to eliminate the possibility of identification, extreme trauma to the neck. Bolger had previously been connected to this laundry list of murders, um, all of which had disposals that were kind of eerily similar to that of the Lady of the Dunes, and because of that and this woman's claim that she remembers him being at Race Point Beach right around the same time that she was there and the Lady of the Dunes was found, that is her connection. There's really no concrete proof on this one, and we don't have much that can kind of tether it to truth. It's really just this woman's word and Bolger's past, and the theory does eventually kind of fall away. It also still doesn't explain who the Lady of the Dunes was or how she even got there, which then shifts us into one of the most compelling and shocking theories of this case, the Jaws theory. So we know the story of the movie Jaws. You know, it's a great white shark that goes rogue and terrorizes the waters of a community beach. Well, that movie did film fairly close to Race Point Beach the exact summer that the Lady of the Dunes was found. Of course, it included a full cast of actors as well as hundreds of extras for the beach scenes. So why does this matter? How does any of it tie back to the Lady of the Dunes? Well, Stephen King's son, who happens to know very much about this story, was watching Jaws, and he paused one of the frames and saw something in the background of the beach scene that shocked him. Frozen in the frame was an extra in the background who seemed to be wearing the exact same outfit as what was found with the Lady of the Dunes, even down to the bandana. Everything about this visually seemed to fit the profile of the Lady of the Dunes. It's a young woman with an athletic build. She's wearing the blue jeans. She has the blue bandana on, the auburn hair. So seamlessly similar to the description of the Lady of the Dunes, he is immediately thinking, could this actually be her? So this story then catches a little bit of traction, and you know some investigative journalism goes on, and Universal is contacted with this claim. Due to the time period, they didn't keep formal records of who their extras were, and you know the story goes public, and no one ever comes forward to either claim that they were 
or know who that extra was. They even tried getting in touch with the casting director, but at this point he had already died, which really just leaves everybody with the question, could this be it? Is this really her? And even if it is, what really happened here? I mean, was she just a young woman who just like ran away from home? Was she a drifter, just kind of moving from place to place? Maybe even met them on the set of this movie before they decided to go off together. We really have no way of knowing, but there is something so chilling about looking at this freeze frame and knowing that if it is the Lady of the Dunes, it's entirely possible that she even met the person who would take her life on the same day that this footage was captured. If it is her, who was she and what really happened? Even after all these years, we may never know who the Lady of the Dunes was as this remains unsolved. Alright, that is it. Make sure that you leave me a comment below and talk to me a little bit about what your theories are. I'm gonna be honest, I think the Jaws theory, it gets chalked up to conspiracy a lot because it's such a fantastical idea to think that a crime could ever be solved like this, like in this way, from a movie. But I don't know, it's really compelling. That's highly coincidental, is it not? I mean, the proximity of the filming location, the timing, in addition to this extra who just happened to be wearing the exact same outfit. Not to mention that nobody knows who this extra was. Like, this isn't a small story anymore. Like, this photo and this theory have circulated a lot as a story, so in theory, yeah, we would have an answer by now, but we don't. I don't know. <laughs> Talk to me about it below, because that's all I can think of. And thank you again for going through this case with me. This was a lot of fun to dig back into. I forgot how insane this story is. And of course, if you have story suggestions for cases, different stories you want me to cover, pictures, just make sure to comment below. And I will catch you on another creep time.